Chapter 29 The Explanation Betty Jean said she was stunned to see me? <laughs> As old man Parker had no doubt uttered on numerous occasions around the poker table, I'll see yours and raise you too. I exchanged greetings with her brother and playful nephew, and we abandoned our shopping trip and left, trying to find a place to talk. Never easy in the Times Square area, but we managed. I don't remember where we went besides it being some little cafe that actually had an open table in the back. There, Betty Jean laid out for me a story full of twists and turns, reminiscent of Alabama country roads. Where was this leading? Most of the time in her story, I could not see it all around the corner, and there were no straightaways to catch my breath. She dropped the news that not long after that memorable night at Miss Truby's, it was discovered that she had contracted breast cancer. Her world, of course, shattered and went into a spin. She'd faced it alone, and she described the deep darkness in which she lived. Every day she wondered if it would be her last. She spoke at some length of her double mastectomy and the ensuing radiation and the effects on her physically, mentally, and emotionally. As a professional counselor, she was clear in her presentation. She was steady and balanced as she shared with me her steps to healing. I hung on every word. I felt that I had entered fully into her life-changing dilemma and in some odd way that I'd been with her there throughout the ordeal. I felt that I had entered in I felt that I had entered fully into her life-changing dilemma and in some odd way that I had been there with her throughout the ordeal. Then then she introduced the next chapter of family tragedy, handing the floor over to her brother Calvin. Through tears and with wounds still fresh, she cleared his throat and told how his wife Sarah had died in the South Tower on 9/11. They had moved to New York for him to work for Deloitte in a job he couldn't turn down. Sarah had already become an accomplished pediatrician and was excited about their relocation from Pittsburgh, eager to take on the challenge of practicing medicine in the USA's largest city. She was actually off work on September 11 and had gone to the WTC to run an errand, delivering a small gift to a friend from high school that she read. She was actually off work on September 11 and had gone to the WTC to run an errand, delivering a small gift to a friend from high school that she discovered had recently moved to the city and who was in her office on that fateful morning. Calvin's recounting of his grief over his loss of wife left me speechless. At the time of Sarah's death, baby Nick was several months old. Calvin needed help, and Betty Jean offered to take a sabbatical from her counseling ministry with the homeless to help raise the little guy and be his nanny. Brother and sister grew exceptionally close. Shared tragedy as a way of doing that. But there was more. Betty Jean recounted how 18 months after the towers fell, their mom, Lucy, was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Betty Jean had scoured the Internet and located our classmate, Dr. Joe Bab Robinson, whose star was continuing to rise in the world of cancer research. They talked several times, and he suggested options for treatment, meds, and therapy, all of which were instrumental in Lucy's eventual healing. 
but it was a long, exhausting road to that point. Betty Jean's father had died some time ago, and she and Calvin were left to care for Mom. The bulk of the duty fell to Betty Jean, and she made many trips to Pennsylvania with Nick in tow to attend to Lucy. But Lucy was now okay and had re-entered a mostly normal life, surrounded by friends and ongoing medical care. I was spellbound, listening to their story. I'd never known anyone who'd been through such layers of pain and upheaval, but they had survived, and it was obvious to this observer that they had come out stronger. By its nature, a memoir is a perfect place to recount valuable life lessons, even those that are a bit embarrassing to admit. By its nature, a memoir is a perfect place to recount valuable life lessons, even those that are a bit embarrassing to admit. Here's one from that day. The world doesn't revolve around me. I took it personally that Betty Jean had not called. But on reflection of her now-revealed journey, I remembered the popular song of Carly Simon from the 1970s. You're so vain, you probably think this song is about you, don't you? You're so vain. Though Betty Jean had often filled my thoughts since our chance encounter a couple of years before. Of course, I'd not been aware that her life had morphed into a nightmare of successive challenges. The focus had been reduced to just a few repeating, lasered points of attention. I was ashamed when I thought her silence was all about me. I had succumbed to my vanity. I also regretted that I had not been there to help. But as I listened and quietly rejoiced in the hard-fought healing to which they had arrived, I was honest with myself that I had not been needed. I'd like to think I could have helped, being a friend who could give and not expect anything in return. However, it is possible that the drama that inevitably comes with any new dating relationship would have just complicated things. Trying to manage that in the midst of what they were going through might have led to heartbreak, and really, did they need one more thing to deal with? It was actually for the best that I had not been in the picture. They were the ones to handle it and had obviously passed the test. Remarkable people.